right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Happy Monday. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Closing arguments have begun in the Chauvin trial in the George Floyd case. And, uh, you know, the things that I'm hearing, that we're watching, that we're witnessing, so-called leaders, it's, it's beyond scary. I mean, what we literally now have, if you look at this year alone, how's this defund the police effort worked out for everybody? We have 100 cops killed already this year, killed in, by gunfire in the line of duty. Chicago had a record murder year last year. It's already up 33% from last year this year. New York City's up 58% from last year. Another, and it went up, it went up dramatically last year. Louisville's up 87%. Murder rate in Minneapolis up 64%. Then you got Los Angeles up 51%. You got uh, all of these, you know, we have the defund effort of the left, which has now become the uh, dismantle and abolish the police departments. How's that going to work out? But people, you have the top people in Congress, the ones that are setting the Green New Deal, Joe Biden, uh, a, a Nancy Pelosi, Chucky Schumer agenda. They've gone from defund to now dismantle and abolish. Oh, and on top of that, no bail laws for anything, no matter what the crime. You've got all of this now happening. You've got, you know, what, Portland Police Union building set ablaze last week. We had the ICE building set ablaze with agents in the building last week. Riots, vandalism. D.C., it was every city, every town burned the precinct to the ground. Now, I, I assume that, that at some point this week, we're going to get a verdict in this Chauvin trial. I've already expressed my thoughts on the nine minutes and 29 seconds. I've been very outspoken about it. But at the end of the day, I am glad that there are options that the jury will have here. But even then, people are demanding that they get the maximum, which would be, I guess, second-degree manslaughter in this case, or second-degree murder, rather, excuse me, big distinction. Um, there was, over the weekend, an activist speaking in, uh, in Washington, D.C., at Black Lives Matter Plaza, asking how long before, quote, people are really ready to get blood on their hands to make change happen. His call to action came during a jail killer cops rally. Voting is not going to bring us this change. Apparently, the person's name, 21-year-old Raheem B., addressing the rally. We've been protesting for a really long time. How much longer can we protest and march in the streets before we're ready, really ready to get blood on their hands? Because one of these days, it's going to have to come to that. Earlier in his speech, he said he was ready to dedicate my life to change. Bringing about the change is not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be peaceful. I don't condemn who loot. And I support them for looting. I support people who take matters into their own hands. You want you want to set something on fire? Go do it. I'm like, this is not going to end well. 
In New York, where they cut a billion dollars from the New York Police Department, a traffic stop in Brooklyn turned violent Saturday morning. Driver pulled over for running a red light. What did the driver do? Hurls a Molotov cocktail at the police officer. Two officers over about 8 a.m. after guy runs a red light. Video posted by the NYPD hours later shows the body cam footage of the stop and the and the moment the accused driver tosses the of this liquid onto one of the officers and then the video ends when the when the when police said this guy drives off a second team of officers in the area spotted the car short distance from the traffic stop pulled him over again and police said that he stepped out of his vehicle at the second traffic stop and threw a lit molotov cocktail at the cop car Bounced off the windshield, shattered in the street. Then the guy hops hops back into his car, fled for a second time from police. Moments later, he collided with an unoccupied parked SUV. Officers finally catch up to the guy, removed him from the vehicle, took him into custody. Three other Molotov cocktails recovered from inside the driver's vehicle. By the way, are we now going to have background checks on Molotov cocktails? Are we going to have background checks like in the case of the Boston bombing and the Sarnoff brothers? One officer had, had injuries as a result of this taken to a nearby hospital. This guy now could face federal weapons of mass destruction charges. I hope he does. But that happened this weekend. You know, I hope the police get, but when are we going to have blood on our hands? Then we got Al Sharpton. Now, you know, apparently, you know, his one-time crisis director is warning that people will be in the streets no matter which way the Floyd trial verdict goes. Great. Even if the guy's found guilty, we're still taken to the streets anyway. This guy served as Al Sharpton's crisis director for five years prior to 2019, predicting yesterday that there will be angry street demonstrations when the Floyd trial ends. Whatever way the verdict goes, outside of the Barclays Center in uh, Brooklyn, New York, called upon police to give protesters space as they march through the streets. When the verdict happens with Derek Chauvin, we will not allow the police to stop us from peaceful protesting. I don't have a problem with peaceful protesting. We're going to be in the streets, whatever way in which the verdict goes. Why? Because we still have a problem with the police in the city. Well, they cut a billion dollars. What's next? Anyway, there's a picture on Twitter. Apparently, Al Sharpton jumping into a private jet so he could fly to uh, stand with the Floyd family, according to his Twitter account. Closing arguments are being made. Uh, We now have the UK Daily Mail has a report how Minneapolis was transformed now into a fortress over the weekend. More than 3,000 members of the National Guard have been drafted into the city. 1,100 officers from the public safety agencies across the state have also been called up, what they're now terming Operation Safety Net. In the early hours of Sunday, two members of the National Guard were injured in a drive-by shooting there. Throughout the weekend, communities in Minnesota echoed with the sound of, of hammering as shops and businesses all boarding up their businesses. Some business owners now have hired private security firms. The cost of up to three grand a day. It's probably cheap at this point. Uh, Then, of course, we have Maxine Waters. Hours after 
She urges protesters to get confrontational with the police. By the way, where's where are all the Democrats crying about insurrectionist language? Anyway, Miranda Devine pointed out in her column today, Waters uh, urged protesters who had attacked the police the previous night that are already defying the curfew to stay on the street because we're looking for a guilty verdict. And if we don't get it, we cannot go away. We've got to get more confrontational. And then sure enough, within hours of those remarks, two soldiers were injured when someone opened fire on the Minnesota National Guard and Minnesota police in a drive-by shooting. National Guard, Minneapolis Police, Neighborhood Security Team fired upon early Sunday morning in a drive-by shooting near Pennsylvania Avenue and Broadway in Minneapolis. In another tweet, the guard said the shooting took place around 4 a.m. local time. Light-colored SUV approached. Someone inside fired several shots at a security team providing neighborhood security. One guardsman sustaining an injury from the shattered glass and taken to the hospital. Now, Republicans are getting uh, a little angry at this. Maxine Waters is rightly being accused of incitement by Republicans for urging protesters to get more confrontational. He says Derek Chauvin must be guilty, 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 or we take to the streets. Here's Maxine Waters. Not just manslaughter, right? I mean, oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. Mr. what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business. You know, for all the years that I would scroll the names on television of all the people shot, all the people shot and killed in Chicago, going, going back to the Biden-Obama years, nobody ever lifted a finger. I didn't even get, Linda, I didn't ask for the total today. I don't know how many people I wonder got shot in Chicago. I know one person got shot. I know at a a McDonald's drive-thru, a a beautiful seven-year-old girl was killed. Shot and killed at a a McDonald's drive-thru in Chicago. Then, of course, now we want bail reform. Man charged with attacking. So we had an, uh, we have incidences here of, of targeted Asian-American hate crimes in New York City. So you had an undercover Asian-American NYPD officer and a guy tried to literally throw this person into the into an oncoming train in the subway. Now facing hate crime charges in that attack. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Thank God the cops strong enough to fight back in that particular case. You know, it's just unbelievable. All right, here it is. 26 shot, five dead in Chicago. Do you know the names of any of the 26 people? Does that, have you heard the name of the five people shot? Just a typical weekend under, you know, Mayor Lightweight. Prior to that, Mayor Deadfish. You know, Republicans rightly slamming Maxine Waters' comments for encouraging riots and violence. This is the same Democratic Party that was all up in arms because Donald Trump said, many of you will peacefully and patriotically let your voices be heard uh, 
at the at, will march to the Capitol to let your voices be heard. Now, here's the the worst part of this case of this this attack against this police officer. It seems to be a rise in, in these hate crimes. Anyway, a man charged with trying to shove an Asian undercover police officer under a Queen subway tracks was cut loose without bail Sunday. The judge said was disgusted in this case because my hands are tied. You know, the, the guy, 32 years old, Ricardo Hernandez, has 12 prior charges and arrests faced with three hate crime charges in an attack trying to kill an officer, which he thought was just a civilian. It was basically, it occurred at the Long Island City N-Train. Not that it means anything to anybody. Anyway, at the arraignment, the Queen's Supreme Court Justice, a guy by the name of Lewis Knox, said the state's bail reform measures barred him from holding the suspect in jail. The judge said, my hands are tied. Because of under the new no bail rules, I have absolutely no authority, no power whatsoever to set bail on this defendant for this offense. That's because of, you know, great job, Governor Cuomo. By the way, and this is what Democrats want nationwide. Pay attention to this. This is not good. What a sad story. You should see the picture. A beautiful young girl, seven years old. Police identified the father and his daughter at a McDonald's. I mean, you take your kid through McDonald's. Every kid loves McDonald's. They usually like the, you know, what do you call it, the kid's meal. What is Liam like, Linda? He likes McDonald's. It's called the right? Happy Meal. Happy it's not Meal. The, the happy, meal. happy, the happy meal. child meal. Whatever. With the, you get the toy in it and everything. We, yeah, we don't really frequent too many fast food restaurants, but yeah. Yes. I know, because you're a rigid mom who, you know, wants to feed your son kale. You know, he and, doesn't eat kale. He just soup. doesn't eat McDonald's. He does so. He loves McDonald's. He does not. Yes, The he only does. thing my son eats from a takeout McNuggets is chick And he loves French fries. Every kid loves chicken love McNuggets French fries. and I'm French not. fries. And he loves, he loves Coke or orange, the orange drink, one or the other. I'm not yes. denying. He does not drink any soda at all. It's of course disgusting. not. You're, you're, you're awful. You're an awful I'm parent telling you. Not, to give your, not to give your kid McDonald's. Oh, yeah, it's gross. Oh, man, I love McDonald's. I can't help myself. All right, listen. You and Mark Levin. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, jury instructions coming after closing arguments, ultimately in, in this case. Maxime Waters, Derek Chauvin must be guilty, 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 or we take to the streets. And she wants a specific verdict, not one of the three. You know, urging protesters to get confrontational. Uh, BLM activist, protester in D.C. that, you know, it's time to now... For people are ready to, how long before people are ready to get blood on their hands to well, make change? I'm 21 change years happen. old and I'm, and I'm ready to dedicate my life to change. And to bring about that change is not going to always be pretty and it's not going to be peaceful. I don't condemn people who, who loot. I support them for looting. I support people who, who take matters in their own hands. If you want to set something on fire, go do that. Voting is not going to bring us there. As you can see, y'all, we voted in the new president, Joe Biden, but I told folks straight up, Joe Biden ain't going to do nothing for us because Joe Biden was in office as the vice president when the Black Lives Matter movement started. It ain't nothing changed. We've been protesting for a really long time. How, how much longer can we protest and march in the streets before people are really, really ready to get blood on their hands? Because one of these days, it's going to have to come to that. Oh. Look at New York. Molotov cocktails thrown at police. After a stop, a police stop, 
Bueno, a routine traffic stop. Wasn't routine. At the NYPD also nabbed a guy entering the subway with an AK-47, an Ohio teenager. Going on. That, you know, you got to understand, all of this now is this reality. Minnesota police, Minnesota City Council is moving towards unarmed traffic enforcers after what happened in the Dante Wright case where he resisted arrest. And the, and the police officer, in this case, a 25-year veteran, pretty stellar record. Ta- I'll tase you, I'll tase you, taser, taser, taser. And then, oh, Schiff, and, and shot the guy one time. It, was, it seems like a strong case to be made there that it was an accidental discharge. This is, this is now where we are, the party of defunding the police, the party of no bail, the, now the party of dismantle and abolish the police. You know, how, how much more, how, how much higher is it, are the murder rates going to have to go before people realize what's going on here? Hundred cops killed already under in the line of duty this year. Chicago has a record murder year last year. They're up thirty three percent from that this year. New York City's up fifty eight percent from a record last year. Louisville up eighty seven percent. L.A.'s up fifty one percent. Minneapolis is up sixty four percent. How's this working out for everybody? Then you've got a Gallup poll that just came out. All these left wing activists with all this incendiary rhetoric demanding a specific outcome. I can only imagine the pressure this jury is feeling till now. They've not been sequestered. Majority of black Americans now, according to a Gallup poll from last July, they said they want a police presence in their area to either remain the same or to increase. You know, Rudy Giuliani, forget his politics. The murder rate was approaching 3000 murders a year. And they, they looked at the city, where's most of the crime happening, wherever the crime was happening, not race-based, where, where is it happening? Where are the highest incidents of, of murder and violence taking place? Using the, the majority of NYPD resources, ap- applying it to the areas that most need a greater police presence, instituting stop and frisk, and then that rate is driven, you know, down below 300. And then to Bloomberg's credit, I'm not the biggest Bloomberg fan. He followed up on it. Now he regrets it for some reason. I have no idea why. But, you know, what? this this is your modern Democratic Party. With the police, okay, yep, we'll get rid of bail. We'll defund. We'll dismantle. We'll abolish. What's the result of all of this? Then we're going to try and accumulate power in perpetuity. We'll pack the courts. We'll get rid of the legislative filibuster. We'll institute H.R. 1. No voter identification whatsoever. You need it for everything else in life. I can't buy a six-pack of beer without it. Can't buy a jewel pod, for crying out loud, without it. And they minimize. You can only buy four packs of jewel pods. Good grief. D.C. statehood, that's up this week. Puerto Rico to follow. Open borders, amnesty, Biden's cages, the media's silence is deafening. We're ready now for the biggest tax increase in over three decades. Biden using taxpayer dollars to bribe blue states that support him electorally to support unions that support him to buy off unions that support him electorally. 
and the Green New Deal, all the money in the name of emergency COVID relief. It's not. Draconian shutdowns, they'll, they'll keep that going as well. How's it going to, what are you going, look, I really am not worried about my life. I worry about my kids. I'm not really that worried about my life. I'm worried about people that cannot defend themselves. I can defend myself as best I can. And if in the end I don't win, I don't win. My, t- my number's up. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to defend myself, and I'm pretty good at it. But there are a lot of people that can't defend themselves. What are they going to do? Look at how the world's changed. Donald Trump is going to be on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, for the full hour. Look at, what's, look at the change in the territorial ambitions now of China. Look at now the territorial ambitions and the Russians again now threatening Ukraine. Look at the Iranians. What the Iranians are up to is no good. They seem emboldened. Joe Biden now wants to go back to that idiotic Iran, Iran deal. North Korea. Yeah, uh, I don't think they have the I think these countries had a genuine belief that Donald Trump meant it. If he said it, he meant it and he'd do it. And that Donald Trump was not going to shy away from making a tough call to stop aggression. I think these countries understood that. I don't think they feel the same way about Joe Biden. They study Joe Biden, just like they studied Trump. Trump made them nervous. There was a respect and a fear of Trump that he, that he would do what he says he's going to do. I'm not sure they see Joe Biden quite the same way. I think they view him as weak and frail and struggling cognitively. You know, Trump got rid of the of ISIS. He got rid of Soleimani, Baghdadi and Associates, the Al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. He did all of that. Think of everything else that he did that he never got credit for. Lowered drug prices, favored nation status, best economy in the last 50 years pre-COVID. Record low unemployment for every demographic in the country. I know so many were so offended by his tweeting. Now we're getting lectured on now it's okay for insurrectionist language of Maxine Waters. Nobody says a thing on the Democratic side. Everyone was so offended in the mob and the media. Big tech so offended by Donald Trump's tweeting. Canceled on Twitter. Canceled on social media. Just silence him and eliminate him. Don't run stories about zero experience Hunter's laptop to protect the, 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 the candidate, Joe Biden, hiding in his bunker basement the entire campaign. There's never been a a president that was more pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-Israel than Donald Trump. We become energy independent for the first time in 75 years. He didn't wage a single war in his four years. Not one. Donated his salary. Is Joe donating his? He imposed sanctions on Cuba. He imposed sanctions on Maduro. Removed economic support for Planned Parenthood unmasked UN hypocrisy pulled us out of the this ridiculous Iranian deal and unmasked the World Health Organization and got rid of the Paris peace agreements and then achieved historic peace agreements with Israel and several Middle Eastern countries and the list continues but we seem to forget now we've got Joe 
By the way, even moderate Democrats are now squirming over this defund the police nonsense. Now, there are a lot of states stepping up and saying, well, we're not going to take these these changes in our voting laws. We're going to ensure voter ID laws, voter signature verification laws, chain of custody laws, and partisan observers that will be able to observe. The same with policing. Ron DeSantis signed a comprehensive anti-riot legislation bill. I had him on TV on Friday for that very reason. This is your new modern extreme radical Democratic Party. Biden has now banned the phrase illegal alien. You can't use that phrase, even though it's used in the statutory language of almost every law. The term was very calm. Washington Post reported the shift, uh, which also junks the phrase assimilation in favor of integration. I mean, the word police are out in full force here. If you enter the country illegally, you're here illegally. You didn't respect our laws or sovereignty, nor should you get rewarded for law-breaking, not respecting our laws, sovereignty, and borders. It's that, you know, Biden finally called what's happening at the border a crisis. That was a big lift for him. It's a crisis. But he's still letting everybody that crosses the border illegally stay in the country, holding out amnesty, something of great worth. 800-941. You know, I'm, I'm all for legal immigration, but come in legally. Respect our laws, our borders, and our sovereignty. Go through the legal process. And then when you come in, you, you should have a health check in light of COVID and other things. You should have a security check, and you should be able to prove that you're financially capable of taking care of yourself. Then, I don't care where you come from. Welcome to our family. Do it legally. Do it legally. Now he's raising the refugee inflow into the country. Great. Well, that's it. We have 17 million Americans needing jobs. Then he's ending all these high-paying career jobs in the energy sector. Now everyone's going to be competing. That means wages will be driven lower and lower and lower. By the way, Hunter's book only sold a whopping 10,000 copies. Let me put it this way. That is an unmitigated failure and disaster. Wonder how much he got paid for that book. But that's a disaster. The DOJ targeted Hunter. Apparently, you know, like last week we learned that, oh, the story just before the election about uh, Vladimir Putin targeting in the Middle East American soldiers. Yeah, low probability that ever happened. Low probability. Unbelievable. Democrats are claiming in their infrastructure bill, climate action is infrastructure, Ed Markey says. Congresswoman Strickland saying it's affordable housing is infrastructure. You have, let's see, Lieutenant Governor uh, Mandela Barnes saying police accountability is infrastructure. Congressperson uh, Jones saying that the Supreme Court expansion is infrastructure. They're all lying to you. It's not infrastructure. Green New Deal is infrastructure. It's not infrastructure. You know, paid leave is not infrastructure, Senator Gillibrand. Neither is child care. Neither is caregiving. It's not infrastructure. Pelosi says Dems may need to expand the Supreme Court because of the size of our country. Okay. By the way, if Maxine Waters, if Donald Trump used the, the rhetoric of Maxine, would they impeach Donald Trump? I think we know the answer to that because it's all happening. Everything we told you. 
800-941-SHAWN. Then we got, of course, coronavirus and everything that's happening there. By the way, Bill Maher actually ripped Democrats and the mob and the media's ignorance over the basic COVID-19 facts. He called it panic porn. Well, now we're not allowed to go to a restaurant or go out, even if you've got the vaccine. DeSantis did the same thing when I was interviewing him. Fauci's, Fauci's ended up being so wrong. Now Fauci's trying to weigh in on guns as a public health issue. Like, gee, thanks, Anthony Fauci. You did such, such a good job of telling us a year ago, masks don't work. <laughs> Maybe they'll stop a droplet, but that's about it. They've been wrong on pretty much everything. It's like the forever, never-ending pandemic. Okay, now everyone either has had COVID and they have antibodies, even if the antibody levels go low, you still have T-cell antibodies. Get the vaccine. Everyone gets the vaccine. Now, uh, yeah, you still can't go out. These are incredible times. Then you got fake news, CNN. Apparently, Project Veritas confronted Humpty Dumpty. Somebody asked uh, Stelter if the employee in question at fake news, CNN, was still employed. I feel r- really bad for you. Are you a journalist, the correspondent asked Humpty? Are you able to report anything that's not directly handed down? I report whatever I want. You need to leave. That's very funny. Unbelievable. We have a lot at stake. I just want to deputize all of you listening to this program. What happens now matters. If you care about 2022... The four things that every state needs to have, and they need to fix it even in the Georgia bill, signature verification, voter ID, chain of custody, meaning that we watch where the ballots come from and where they, every step of the way, and partisan observers should be able to observe the vote count. And you should be able to do it that day, that night. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So closing arguments in the case of Officer Chauvin going on now in the George Floyd case. And uh, to me, look, I've given my opinion on what I saw from my vantage point and the nine minute and 29 second video that everybody saw and what happened here and what I believe were mistakes made. And uh, thankfully, it's not a matter of the jury only having one option. They have multiple options that they'll be presented and then they'll make the decision, render the decision. Uh, I would expect probably it's not going to happen today, but it should happen this week. And but there are people already stirring up the pot, including and not I mean, frank, frankly, predictably in her case, Maxine Waters and Chauvin must be found guilty, 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 or we take to the streets. Here's what she said. Not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. Congressman, what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business. Where are all of the Democrats that love... I haven't heard their favorite word yet. Insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. You know, the, the history of Maxine Waters is well known. Her incendiary rhetoric. Well, here's just a small sampling of it. You can't be intimidated. 
You can't be frightened. As far as I'm concerned, the Tea Party can go straight to hell. I, I am hoping that we're able to reveal all of this. And my greatest desire is to lead him right into impeachment. You see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore. I am sitting here listening, watching, absorbing, thinking about Ali, even though I never met him. And with this kind of inspiration, I will go and take Trump out tonight. Well, whatever, he shouldn't be going after anybody. He's the president of the United States of America. He's setting some of us up to be killed. A lot of people who have not worn those masks uh, because their they're, they're president didn't wear them and told them that it didn't make any difference are probably dead now. And he's responsible for it. And for those black young men who think somehow they can align themselves with Trump, Trump, not only are they terribly mistaken, any of them showing their face, I will never, ever forgive them. What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. And uh, it goes on and on. I could go on for the whole hour. Anyway, joining us, he just made an announcement, by the way, that he is going to run and challenge the sitting governor, Governor Kemp, in Georgia in a primary. Uh, Vernon Jones is back with us. Uh, sir, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing fine, Sean. How are you, my friend? I'm good. So there's a lot of rumors about a lot of people. I had been hearing rumors Doug Collins might challenge uh, Kemp. Uh, I'm hearing rumors that uh, Herschel Walker may make a run for the Senate. What are you hearing? Well, I, I tell you what I'm hearing, um, and I can tell you what I'm knowing, and what I, what I know and hear, that Vernon Jones has taken on Brian Kemp. Why? Because Brian Kemp has failed people in the state of Georgia. He failed Donald Trump. He failed and caused us to lose two U.S. Senate seats. And, by the way, he caused us to lose Major League Baseball, although the Atlanta Journal Constitution trying to help him out through his primary because they know he can't beat Stacey, uh, and I can. But uh, that's what I know, and I think that's more important than what I'm hearing. That's what I know. As far as other campaigns, they can take care of themselves. We have to have someone that has proven the test of time, still with Donald Trump, Donald Trump's his, his issues, his agenda, uh, his legacy, like I have, and I had it all to lose. I put it all on the on the field because I believe in Donald Trump and I support him. And Brian Kemp cut and ran, and not only did he do that, but he allowed himself and Stacey Abrams and the Secretary of State to do a backroom deal that really manipulated election laws that only the members of the General Assembly can do, Sean. You know that, and I know that, and the American people know that. And even when he had a chance to call a special session, he failed to do so. And so this some. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I think there are four things needed for every state, and I know that other states, I, I do applaud the improvements, um, but then you got Joe Biden referring to the new Georgia voting law as Jim Crow 2.0. Uh, now, now the state of Delaware has, let's see, zero days of in-person early voting. Your state of Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting. 
Uh, in the state of Georgia, there's a, a drop box location in every single county, and both states require voter ID. I'm not sure why they got rid of uh, signature verification. I think signature verification, chain of custody, partisan observers being able to observe, and picture ID should be the part, be a part of every law to ensure integrity in, in elections and confidence in election results. Well, Sharon, that's the whole thing, too. Nobody, uh, most people in Georgia do not have faith in the election process, what happened. And let me say this. Yes, the legislature took a step in the right direction, but that was not any legislation put forth by Governor Kemp. That was from the legislative body trying to fix his mess. Uh, the fact of it is they did not do anything to get rid of the system. The system that's there now, there's too many questions, unanswered questions. There are too many people who distrust, distrust that. And day one, when I become governor, uh, you're not going to see a system in place that the American people and Georgians can't believe in. So we're going to deal with that. As far as other things with, with this governor, you know and I know it. Um, he kowtowed to Stacey. He's afraid of Stacey Abrams. And the media knows that Stacey can beat him, and I can't. That's what this is coming down to. Forget about the primary. This is the general election. Stacey Abrams is a communist based on with socialism in her. She has uh, Marxism in her. She's carrying the, the left. She's been doing it. I am going to stop that. And she, you know what, Sean, you know this. She can't play the race card on me. The Democratic Party can't play the race card on me. I'm going to call Joe Biden out for the bigot he is, Jim Crow 2, really Joe Crow 2. And what he's trying to do is repent now because he knows his time is limited. He's trying to repent and try to make up for the 47 years that all he did was destroy black people and black communities and our, and our country uh, with his liberal ways. And so this is a new day. We want people in Georgia who are stamp and fight, fight for election integrity support the president's agenda, get ready for 2022 and 2024. And, Sean, you know and I know it. I bring a different twist. I've always been a lifelong conservative Democrat. I'm, I'm pro-First Amendment, Second Amendment. I am pro-life. Let's be clear about that. No longer can the Democratic Party try to pressure me to vote their way. I'm not going to be tied to that. And those who think that I can't be a, a Democrat, uh, changed and became a Republican. Then look at two other governors we had. He was pretty good damn governors. You had uh, uh, Governor uh, uh, Nathan Deal, who was a Democrat, became Republican, became governor. You had Sonny Perdue, who was a Democrat, became Republican, and became governor. They both were good governors. I think I'm in good company. Seems like it takes an ex-Democrat with conservative values and not a rhino to stand up for what's right in this, in this state, from election integrity to standing up against the liberal mob. So you have said the Democratic Party left you. So you've been a lifelong Democrat. Now you're a Republican, a conservative Republican, I, I would argue, based on my many years of knowing you. And now you're going to challenge a sitting governor. And then ultimately, I guess you would hope that you'd win and run against Stacey Abrams. Now, with this latest debacle that is costing the state of Georgia a hundred million dollars, so the estimates tell us, in terms of business for the people of Georgia, um, I've got to imagine people are pretty angry at Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams over allowing that false lying narrative about the new Georgia voting law to go forward, especially. Joe Biden's been in Delaware representing that state 50 years, and he never lifted a finger to make voting more accessible to the people of Delaware. And this voting law in Georgia is far more accessible to everybody in Georgia. Well, first of all, Sean, where's the leadership from the governor? Why didn't he talk with the business community, talk with Coca-Cola and said, Coca-Cola, before you start talking about uh, our Jim Crow law supporting Stacey Abrams, have you read the bill? 
And by the way, why are you telling white employees there that they need to be less white? No, you, you got it twisted. Then I will also say to Major League Baseball, wait a minute, you want to move? You want to leave here? Why? Uh, if you want to move to Denver, Denver has a population of 9% black in Denver, 51% black here in Atlanta. So if you're talking about you want to help and support black people, look how many black people, businesses and fans and all people, white and black, that you heard. So, so Kemp is a day late and $100 million short. And then I would walk right on over to Delta Airlines. Wait a minute, Mr. Delta Airlines. Uh, don't you, Ed Baston, don't you have to have an uh, ID to get on your plane? Don't you? If not, you can't get on the plane. People need IDs to go to the library to check out a book. They need IDs to go to the hospital, the hotels. And it's demeaning and it's bigotry. It's the bigotry in the, in the Democratic Party to say that black people do not have the ability to have an ID and go and vote. It was a lie from the start. It was a sham. But where was the leadership from the governor? The governor should have gone to either to, to New York or had New York to come down here and say, wait a minute, let's have a discussion about this. And by the way, last time I checked, Major League Baseball, you know this, Sean, is based in New York. Now, you look at their election laws and compare them to Georgia's. Georgia election laws are far more restrictive. Far more restrictive. Georgia, we want to do two things. We want to make it easy for people to vote, and we we want to make it hard for others to cheat. Simple, Mm. plain, and, and point blank. And so... But we need a leader, Sean. We need someone who won't cut and run on, 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 on the president. And look at, you know, Ryan's been a rhino. Look at what happened this past weekend at, the, at state delegation meetings throughout the counties, Republican county conventions. You had about 15 counties that censored the governor. When have you had a governor censored by 15 counties? It's unheard of. I was in Macon, Valdosta, South Georgia this past weekend. I'm running into people with fears. And you know what? They may forgive Brian for what he did, but they're sure not going to forget him. And come next year, uh, yes, you're going to see me. I'm going to be elected governor. You know why? Because I represent Georgia's values. I represent fighting for Georgia. And not only going to change Georgia, we're going to change this entire country. I have the ability, and you know this too, Sean, my uniqueness, I can grow the party. I can grow the party with young people. I can grow the party with minorities. President Trump had the, he had the play in his playbook. He did more to bring more minorities across the line than any Republican presidential candidate has in the past 60 years. He has the right playbook. He understands people. He can feel people. And he's a fighter. And he and I just alike. And that's why I put my country before my party. I, I didn't leave my party. My party left me. But I am against uh, transgender bio males participating in female sports. Democrats always want to talk about they're protecting uh, women or they support women. No, that's not supporting women. I'm also against like the Democrats are promoting to have children, Sean, children be injected with hormones and have sex changes? No. Why didn't the governor pass two pieces of legislation to stop that? One, to stop uh, transgender bio males from being in female sports. The other, protecting children from having sex operations. What do they know, John? Um, what do they know, Sean? They're children. You have to be 18 to buy, uh, to vote and, and 21 to buy cigarettes. And now we're going to do things that can alter a child's body as a child? No. And, and that's what I'm bringing. And by the way, school choice. Black people know that their kids are trapped in failing schools because of Democratic policy. They would rather have their child, they have the money to follow the child, and be in a performing school uh, as opposed to a failing school. But Democrats have locked and lied to black people for years. That's why I'm their biggest threat. I'm the liberals' biggest threat, Sean, because not only can I shake up Georgia, but we can shake up this country because we're bringing others to this party. We are growing the party. That's why I came to the grand old party, bringing grand new people, grand new ideas, and grand new opportunities, Sean. Go to jonesforgeorgia.com, all your listeners. 
Let's win. Let's win big. Georgia is a national race. It's not a local race anymore. This is a national race. I said in the beginning, John, so goes Georgia, so goes this country. Now look what we have. Brian Kemp is directly responsible for not only us losing two U.S. senators, but President Trump's election, too. And what we have now, we have Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. They remind me of the Wizard of Oz. One has no brain, no one has, the other one has no heart, and the other has no courage, and not necessarily in that order. And they've been led not by Toto and Dorothy. They're being led by the Wicked Witch of the South, Stacey Abrams. We're going to put a stop on that, Sean. JonesForGeorgia.com. All right. I, I don't even know what to say, but I, I can say this. If it was a ticket that had you and Herschel Walker on it, I don't see how that ticket loses, to be very honest. Uh, and it would be transformative. The Republican Party needs to be the party of working men and women, the party of law and order and, and safety and security in every town and every city. And they've got to be the party that fixes the unholy alliance between Democrats and teachers unions and allow school choice once and for all. So so our kids who we spend more money per capita on education than any country in the industrialized world with the worst results. Let the Democrats be the party of coastal elites. Republicans need to be the uh, the party of working men and women. Vernon Jones, thank you, my friend. Come back often. Thank you too. Okay, you got a deal. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So this is Joe Biden. Just imagine a second that this is Donald Trump. He is with the the prime minister of Japan, close ally of the United States. And uh, he talks about uh, the winner of the Masters. Hideki Matsuyama is the guy's name. And he just said, well, you know, the uh, the Japanese boy that won. Listen, I know how proud you are of the people of Japan are. And uh, you've got a Japanese boy coming over here. And guess what? He won the Masters. He won the Masters. He won the green jacket. And Matsuyama was the first Japanese player to take home that green jacket at the Masters tournament this week. So let me say congratulations, Japan, as well, on that feat. Would the woke crowd in America have accepted Donald Trump saying any of these things? I tend to doubt it. I really, I really tend to doubt it. Jim Crow 2.0, now he keeps saying. Delaware, zero days of uh, in-person voting. 17 days in Georgia. Both Delaware and Georgia, you both, you need voter ID, picture ID in both states. No drop boxes in Delaware, but you have drop boxes in Georgia. Nobody seems to care about Joe's history regarding race. That we have gone into great specificity and detail. You can't work at a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And all these companies and corporations that went along with the big lie. I mean, you think of just the Democratic agenda. What is it? Packing the courts. By the way, that's coming up uh, now with their commission that they put together. Uh, not only defunding the police, now the strongest leading contingent of Democrats in the House the squad members saying, oh, no, no, we no more police. Barack Obama, we've got to re we got to we we got to create a new vision of what policing actually means. Remove the legislative filibuster with the reason that they're going so hard at Georgia is because they don't want any voter ID whatsoever. Zero zip. 
Uh, D.C. Uh, statehood coming up this week, followed, I'm sure, by Puerto Rico statehood. All the open borders, amnesty. You know, oh, well, what does that mean? You give something to people of great value in the hopes that they will appreciate it and vote for you in perpetuity. I'm not against immigration. I'm for legal immigration. Biggest tax hike in over three decades. We're going to call it emergency COVID relief, but it's really just a big blue state bailout and and a down payment for the new Green Deal. Draconian shutdowns that they still want to continue. You know, no bail, you know, abolish the police, defund the police. I guess more moderate Democrats take the defund position. Um, it's pretty unbelievable here. You know, even though you got your 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 vaccination, you, you still better you better keep that mask on anyway and maybe still stay home. What was the point of getting it? It's pretty unbelievable. And what's the result? Okay, you have 100 cops killed. Chicago's murder rate up from last year's record rate of by 33% this year. New York City, mur- its murder rate up 58%. Louisville up 87%. Minneapolis up 64%. And Maxine Waters' admonition, oh, this, this verdict better, better, better come back the way we want. That's what it sounds like to me. Not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. It's coming from what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. Oh, okay. Get more confrontational. What does that mean? You know, look, to me, I've already outlined, I won't repeat myself here, my thoughts on the trial that's going on, my thoughts on what happened in the George Floyd case. We usually tend to be right. There's a problem you have with juries, though. To get a guilty verdict, you need 12 people. If one person disagrees, it's over. Then you're not, you're not, you're not going to get a guilty. Now, maybe a hung jury, and you may get another trial. I certainly see under no circumstances an acquittal here. I think the odds of a conviction of, of one of the three charges for sure is, is likely very, very high. I'd even argue in the high 90s. Um, but to tell people that you either get the verdict you want or this is what people need to do, um, well, where's the investigation? Where's the talk of insurrection? All right, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Bill is in Georgia. Bill, hi, how are you? And, uh, oh, great job Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams has, have done for your state, I'll tell you that. Oh, don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> Good talking to you, Sean. I've been listening yes. to you since you've been in Atlanta in the mid-90s. Yes, sir. Well, it's, it's great to uh, have you back here. 1996 was a great year the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had in their great at, at their year-end of edition the olympics yes. came and sean hannity left that that was not very nice was it <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> uh the reason i called today is i was calling about this um thing that Tlaib calling for no more uh policing our incarceration for me that is really akin to inciting violence or even 
anarchy, if you want to take it that far, because if you don't have police or you don't have incarceration to punish people, you're just going to have mayhem in the streets. As, as simply put, and there's not everybody is, is armed and ready to go. And people just be, it, it would be a mess. And it's, it really is inciting violence. That's the thing that it got, got to be is that, you know, everybody's talking about Trump inciting violence when he really didn't in the end and proved it when wasn't done. And yet you have, you know, shut your mouth waters going along this last weekend. And, and this comment from Tlaib, I, it just really rubs me that nobody's standing up to these people. Yeah, look, I mean, there are people that are standing up to it. Republicans are. But the media is on their side and with the media on the side of the Democratic Socialist and the radicals, it's 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 a great defense for all things madness and crazy. I mean, they will defend the indefensible. Doesn't matter what Joe Biden says or does. Doesn't matter how weak and frail he is. It doesn't matter that his policies are failing. Doesn't matter that his administration is lying to us continually. They give him a pass. I mean. I don't know about you. Yeah, I've yeah. had many occasions where I get blown over by the wind, haven't you? Well, certainly. We need a louder bullhorn. I know that. Um, we need a louder bullhorn than they've got. we got to find a way to do it. The only I'll thing tell I you what do. the loudest bullhorn is going to be. It's going to be in November of 2022, and it's going to be in November of 2024. That's the bullhorn. That's right. Now, yes, in the sir. interim, we need states like Georgia. By the way, Georgia's law could be a little stronger, too. Uh, why they got rid of signature verification standards completely, I don't know. The original bill had it in there. Um, yeah, certainly, a lot of inside attaboy politics to go on in Georgia, so they probably won't ever find the answer to that one. Well, they can still fix it. There's still time. And I see Arizona's yeah. making moves to, to make sure we have voter integrity and confidence and results out there. Uh, similarly, in Pennsylvania, efforts have started and, and efforts have started in both Michigan and Wisconsin. And it needs to happen. And if we don't do it, we, you know, don't come crying to me the, the morning after the night before in November of 2022 and say, well, how do we allow this to happen? Because the first yeah. the first order of business is ensuring the integrity of elections moving forward. Hopefully we'll get the job done. Sure was good yeah. talking to you, Sean. Good I talking to you, my friend. Thank you. And that's why HR1, SR1 has to stop. All right, as we continue, back to our busy phones. Don't forget Donald Trump for the hour tonight on Hannity, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Let's say hi to Andrews in South Carolina. What's up, Andrew? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. What's happening? Well, uh, Friday you... Uh, you you had a little segment on, um, you know, re- reforming the police or whatnot in America. And, and I mean, I, I, I am totally for reforming uh, better, you know, I guess you'd say better training for our police officers. I'm not about defunding the police. That's that's a bad idea, in my opinion. Um, I, l- listen, I, I think little... it's simple. I think it's more training and non-lethal options. Those are my two big. That, that, that's that's exactly right. And that's why I called um so, so, so listen, man, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about, like, maybe changing where the taser is placed and that kind of stuff. And I did a little bit of research probably nine months back whenever some of this stuff started happening. And um, I think it would be a fantastic idea to just put two rubber bullets in every clip 
that a cop carries. The first two bullets are rubber bullets. That gives you enough time. If, if you're properly trained, you have less than a second before you're lethal. But if you have a accidental discharge, like in cases like Potter, you're, you're very slim going to kill someone with a rubber bullet. The problem is with that scenario, and, and I love the fact that you're thinking through it. Imagine a scenario where somebody high on fentanyl, painkillers, methamphetamine, whatever they're on, is charging at you. Now, the odds are they're not going to feel pain like most people at that moment, but they're charging at you, and they're going to be in you. They're going to you're going to be in a physical confrontation in less than a second. You don't have time in, in under those circumstances. Now, um, right, right. But that would also probably be a moment where, again, if your life is being threatened, that would justify lethal force. Um, it's hard to predict every scenario. I mean, that's why every case is unique and special and different and needs to be judged accordingly. I mean, yes, in the yes, case sir, of I this agree. 13-year-old kid, Adam Toledo, I, I mean, the original, the knee-jerk quick reaction of people, he had his hands up and he got shot anyway. And then you look at the video in real time, and then you slow the video down frame by frame, which we did, and then you see... You know, him turn slightly to the officer with a gun in his hand and then turns, drops the weapon, throws the weapon and then puts his hands up. That officer had less than a second to decide what to do. That off that there's a reason why that officer has not been charged in that case. You know that. Oh, oh of course. Of course. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm much like you. I, I don't form a, uh, an opinion off of a situation until all the facts have been presented. Um, and, and, and again, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very unfortunate thing that the young man died. It's a very unfortunate thing that she shot it's the man. Terrible. That's sure a, that's a human life. It. That's a, you know, I, you know I, that's I, a kid. I've hunted my entire life. I, I've, I've, I've dealt with guns my entire life. And, and I, I feel like, you know, when it comes down to it, defunding the police is not the answer and you know something like this rubber bullets costs half as much as what a regular round costs and i mean you know like you said it, it, seconds matter whenever it comes to 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 i guess you'd say uh fatal situations or whatnot um but it, I, I feel as a shooter two, two bullets is three tenths of a second if you're in a panic situation it, it's that, that it, on paper might... it would probably work 95 percent of the time it's yes, it's yes, not sir. a horrible That's... suggestion it's something that could be considered but um it, it's it's just it well first of all you have to have the non-lethal projectile whatever it happens to be that would work in a particular weapon i'm not sure if that specific technology exists yet i know people that are working on it because a lot of people have gotten in touch with me that are are in the business of bu building non-lethal alternatives for people, but it's it's a smart idea. I listen. I'm I'm open to anything that's going to ultimately save lives and still let cops do their jobs. But you know they're moving ahead in Minnesota with what I told you they're trying to do last week, and that is at traffic stops they they want to totally disarm police. Now we saw what happened. You know, three officers were shot last week at a routine traffic stop. Then we had the New Mexico tape released last week. Officer, routine traffic stop, shot and killed. And that tape was released last week. So nothing's easy. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it.
800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. I never thought in my lifetime I'd see such radicalism, such double standards. Uh, We see it every day. You know, it's perfectly fine. Insurrectionist language of Maxine Waters uh, from this weekend. I mean, it's it's actually downright scary what they're saying. We got activists now saying urging the crowd to get blood on their hands if they don't get the verdict that they want. Al Sharpton head heading on out to Minnesota. Then, of course, Maxine Waters, which we were highlighting a little bit in the last program, uh, pretty much inciting. Well, you know, some type of activity will take to the streets. What does that mean? We'll take to the streets. Pretty unbelievable. This is your new radical, extreme Democratic Socialist Party defunding the police. I guess that's not enough now. Now it's abolish the police. Now they're pushing no bail nationally. You know, how do Americans pursue happiness if they don't have law and order and safety and security? How is that even possible? You know, then on top of that, let's get rid of the legislative filibuster. Let's pack the courts while we're at it. An idea that Joe Biden, as I told you last week, that's a boneheaded idea. But now more and more Democrats are saying it. Listen. So we are here uh, as a coalition uh, beginning this effort uh, to ensure that we restore justice uh, to the Supreme Court. It was a bonehead idea. The United States Supreme Court is broken. It is out of balance uh, and it needs to be fixed. It was a bonehead idea. Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. Senator McConnell and the Republicans packed the court over the last couple of years. It was a bonehead idea. It's time to go back to this tradition and have at least 13 justices. It was a bonehead idea. When those seats are filled, we will finally have a court committed to government by the people. It was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. A bonehead idea. I guess not. Uh, Anyway, joining us is Carrie uh, Severino's back with us, chief counsel, policy director at the Judicial Crisis Network. Uh, Also, Ken Starr is back with us. He has his new book, Out Religious Liberty in Crisis. And uh, by the way, the Judicial Crisis Network launched a new campaign opposing the Democrats' court packing legislation. Let's play that ad. Roosevelt, corrupted by power, in my view, unveiled his court packing plan. It was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake. I have not been a fan of court packing. But after $145 million in liberal dark money, Joe changed his tune. Depends on how this turns out. Now, he's exploring court packing. But Joe... What are we talking about? It was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake. All right. Joining us now, Carrie Severino. Ken Starr is with us. Uh, Yeah, it is a bonehead idea, but one that I think the fix is kind of in, Carrie, if we're going to be honest here. I think Joe Biden's already made up his mind, and I think he's going to try and use this commission uh, to justify a move from nine Supreme Court justices to 13. Thoughts? 
Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, when the House members, the Democratic House members, announced this bill, I think that was them kind of forgetting the order of operations that they that they had, had kind of stacked up. They were going to have this commission then say, oh, the commission says we should pack the court. We'll just do what the academics say. But they forgot, and then they, they introduced their bill before the commission even had a chance to get going. So it's clear they're not waiting for what these people are saying. They know what they want to do, and for them, it's a win-win. Either they get this thing passed, they pack the court, they have four more justices, and then they're trying to push Breyer out as fast as they can, maybe five justices for Biden on the court who are going to be guaranteed votes for every liberal policy goal ever. Or they don't get it done, but they succeed in intimidating the justices into try to towing that line in hopes that they won't push the Democrats into into full-fledged court packing. I think that's the other agenda they have going. Either way, it's horrible. You know, Ken Starr, when you look at all of this in total, and that would be court packing, uh, removing the legislative filibuster, uh, HR1, SR1, no voter ID, any place, anywhere, widespread mail-in in voting with no verification whatsoever. Uh, this week they've taken up D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico soon to follow, open borders with the promise of amnesty, uh, blue state bailouts, union bailouts, Green New Deal bailouts. It seems to me that this is the biggest power grab by government we'd have ever seen in history, and you can add to it what I believe is unconstitutional. Joe Biden ruling through executive action, bypassing a co-equal branch of government, that being the legislative branch. It it is an exercise in raw power, and uh, so many of the initiatives of uh, the new administration, and now uh, obviously the Congress uh, moving in on court packing, uh, H.R. 1 reshaping entirely in a very radical way the voting laws of the United States, intruding, I think, unconstitutionally into the prerogatives of the states. But let me just say a word on, on court packing. Uh, I'm so glad you, you played the, the clip, a bonehead idea, and nothing has in fact changed. One of the things that our listeners should know is that the Supreme Court operates very efficiently. There's no suggestion that there's been a breakdown there's no suggestion that there's this huge backlog that the judicial business of the United States is not being conducted. It is simply a disagreement with the substantive results. And the substantive results, by the way, are often, including in the area I just wrote my book on, on religious liberty, these cases are often decided, not always, but often decided by a supermajority, uh, and at times unanimously. So at times what the complaint is about is really our foundational freedoms, our fundamental freedoms enshrined in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights, and trying to overturn Supreme Court jurisprudence where there's been an enormous amount of agreement. So it's a very bad idea. And what is really ironic, Sean and Kerry, as you know, is there was no mandate in this last election. Look at the United States Senate divided 50-50. That strikes me as an even split. It takes Kamala Harris to come back from the border, if she's there, to cast a tie-breaking vote. This is so far removed from FDR's true mandate after the election in 1936. And even there, President Roosevelt was told, no, it's a bonehead idea. Okay, so now the question is, how how does this get stopped, Carrie? Well, I think we have one route of stopping it, which is, thankfully, so far, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, the the moderate Democrats, some of the the rare breed that's becoming rarer uh, here, 
they have said they don't want to do this. Now, you know, God willing, they can stand up, stand up to the pressure because, believe me, they're getting a huge amount of pressure from these dark money groups who spent millions and millions of dollars to get President Biden elected, who are going to spend millions of dollars to try to influence their vote. So they are saying, at least right now, that they don't want it. They don't want to vote for this. But again, I think the the other big problem here is even if they don't manage to to flip those with this huge dark money pressure campaign against those senators, I think the other big problem is they're intimidating the justices. That you've had people saying basically, if you don't want us to pack the court, maybe you should rule in our direction. We've had out and out uh, suggestions that way from people like Senator Whitehouse a couple years ago in an amicus brief. So this is the other angle. And I think the only solution is for it to be so clear that the American people are, this is anathema to much like it was, as Ken was talking about for FDR. If it's very clear the people don't want this and it's a political loser, that's the only reason they would stop short of the brink. Because the only thing they, they, they are more worried about than not being able to utterly take over with all of their agenda is to maybe lose an election. Uh, so, so that's what we have to make, make clear. And as we continue with Carrie Severino and Ken Starr, we'll get to your calls here in a second. Uh, Ken Starr, I would argue that the the Roberts court up to date uh, to this moment probably will go down in history as a court that allowed politics to to sway its decision making, starting with uh, the Obamacare, the ACA Act. And when that I've, I've been told now by numerous sources that that John Roberts was going to vote to eliminate the law and at the last minute decided against it for political considerations. Uh, if this were to happen, wouldn't this undermine the, this notion, this belief that j- the judiciary, a, a co-equal branch of government, often called on to resolve differences between the other two co-equal branches of government? Uh, wouldn't that then render them a, a political operation or extension of, of the Democratic Socialist Party and their agenda, things that they would never get accomplished at the ballot box or legislatively, they'll, they'll use the courts to do for them. Well, it would certainly erode the reputation for independence of the judiciary, especially the Supreme Court. I mean, that's why the justices have life tenure. That's why John Paul Stevens was able to serve until he was 90 years of of age, people on into their uh, 80s. We want, and we've historically said, the independence of the Supreme Court is very important. And why? So they will be free from these political pressures. So, yes, we should all rise up and say, please, justices, you have something that is invaluable in the American power structure. It is called life tenure. You don't have to face elections, re-elections. Please use your best judgment. Do not vote because of the way political winds uh, are blowing. That's the ideal, and hopefully we will see a restoration of that uh, uh, ideal. But it's a serious problem that there's a perception, there certainly is, that some votes are actually influenced strictly by politics and keeping the court out of trouble. But even liberal justices like Stephen Breyer and the ever-so-loved Ruth Bader Ginsburg were against packing the court. Uh, Would there potentially be a path towards a court challenge that could even ultimately land in the Supreme Court where they themselves would make way in on this this important matter? I don't think so, because it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carrie. Oh no, guy! Yeah, I think you're. I think you're going down the same route. They they have the constitutional authority to do this, right? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, that and the size of the court has changed. Originally, it was five. Uh, so, but it's been this way for well over a hundred years. And you're so right. And again, I apologize, Carrie. Stephen Breyer spoke out against it, and of course, not too terribly long before she passed from this life, Ruth Ginsburg spoke out against it. It just shows thoughtful people should be rising up and saying no. Quit trying to ruin the independence of the Supreme Court. So it essentially becomes like a third world country that it simply rubber stamps, like the Venezuelan Supreme Court is simply going to rubber stamp whatever the leadership of Chavez wants. No, that's not our country. Don't try to ruin this country's basic institutions. And you know who I would summon to the stand, so to speak, is the great Frederick Douglass, who had lived in slavery, and yet he said, the American institutions have genius. There's genius behind these institutions, and Supreme Court independence is one of them. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. All right, Kerry uh, Severino, thank you. Ken Starr, thank you for the update. We really appreciate it. We'll continue to follow uh, this very, very closely. It's a, To me, it's a, a huge danger, all of these efforts to accumulate power in perpetuity. I've never seen a power grab like this in my lifetime now doing this 33 years. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Alex is in New York. Alex, hi. You're on the Sean Hannity Show. John, thanks for taking my call. I love your show. I'm calling because this politician of a senator, Chuck Schumer, says that President Trump stole two seats on the Supreme Court, and now it's up to the Democrats to repair the damage. Sean, I don't get it. If there's no problem with packing the court in order to repair the damage, why did the Democrats not tell us during the campaign that they would do this when they were asked numerous times as to whether they would pack the court or not? And, you know, Sean, every child knows that you don't change the rules of the game during the game when it benefits for you and not the other player because otherwise you're looked at as, as a cheap, sore loser. And that's what the Democrats are doing. They're changing the rules. They're packing the court because it benefits them since then they're the minority and they have the House, the Senate, and the White House. They want to be able to pass through whatever it is they want for the next two years without anybody being able to oh. stop them. We got a bad line. Let me just play for you, uh, Alex, and our audience here. Joe Biden asked her in the campaign in 2020 on this very issue and others. Listen. Speaking of those other candidates, several of them have proposed major structural reforms to our government and to our democracy. These include abolishing the Electoral College, uh, expanding the size of the Supreme Court, setting term limits for justices, abolishing the legislative filibuster. Which, if any of these, do you support? None. None. Because that structural change requires constitutional amendments. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problem that exists. Oh, I guess Joe's changed. Now the squad is in charge. All right, your call's coming up. Don't forget my interview with President Donald J. Trump tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox News. And, of course, we're watching closing arguments today in the Chauvin uh, trial in the George Floyd case. We expect a verdict this week at some point. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. Our number, you want to be a part of the pro uh, program today. Uh, let's say hi to David is in Maryland. David, hi, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I work in law enforcement. I'm just calling in reference to the whole defund the police uh, movement, whatever you want to call it. Well, now it's, it's, not, just, it's not just defund. Now it's de defund and abolish. Abolish, correct, right, yeah. So I'm calling, so... Uh, 
you know, some of my buddies that I work with in law enforcement, we've kind of come up with something what we thought obviously it would be doomed for failure. But if we want to appease these people, why don't we just have these towns and counties and cities vote on whether they want police or not? Because, you know, obviously that's doomed for failure if they vote against police and we pull the police out of those areas. You're obviously going to see crime skyrocket, which is already skyrocketing in a lot of cities across the U.S., obviously, especially like cities like Chicago, because, you know, you find that some of these uh, a lot of crimes, you know, maybe they don't view it as, um, you know, a really bad crime and they're not you know, enforcing the laws like they normally would because of just all of this defund movement and now, like you said, abolish. So I don't know. I've, you know, obviously that would probably fail if they did vote, you know, police out of certain areas and we would show that it would fail. But why don't we have areas that well, want it's already police failing? Police? Your, your oh, instincts yeah. are right. We have numbers to back them up. Uh, Chicago right. had a record murder rate last year, and it's uh, the the murder rate so far this year is even 33% higher than then. In New York City, right. the murder rate's up 58%. Louisville's up 87%. Minneapolis is up 64%. L.A. is up 51%. So it's already happening. We see the negative impact, and I argue that it's impossible for Americans, you know, that are endowed by their creator to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, if, if you don't live in a city or town with law and order that's safe and secure, there's no way you can pursue happiness. You can't. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. And I, I just, I don't understand what is going through some of these people's heads to say, oh, we don't need police, or it's, you know, it's too militaristic, or, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that that's just that not not the case. We need law. We need law and order. We need law enforcement. You know, you can't survive without it. Uh, yep. You speak the truth. Well, um, what do you do? Are you a police officer? Or? Yeah, I actually. Well, I work in law enforcement. I work in the uh, actually more in an investigative role now. I used to be in patrol, but I'm I'm actually in the state of Virginia is where I work. I'm just visiting family in Maryland. So appreciate the call. Thanks for all you do, David. We uh, we're glad you're out there. Uh, Don is in Chicago. Don, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Happy Monday. Thanks for being with us. Hi. Uh, what I wanted to speak about, we're talking about making Washington, D.C. a state, and uh, I was looking it up. I believe it was 1790. Uh, recently what happened is Maryland gave up some land to make Washington, D.C. its own little city, and Congress wanted to make it an independent area controlled by Congress, who wasn't loyal to any one state. Uh, if people want to make it a state again, uh, a state again uh, I think the best way is just revert the land back to Maryland or Virginia, the, the areas that gave it up. Uh, this way, it's the most efficient way. People there can vote for senators and congressmen. They have all the representation because that's the argument that's being used. Uh, the other argument against that, though, I heard someone say on a radio show the other day was that, well, you, you would, uh, you know, the congressman would not, um, you would, the, the, you know, diminish their amount of representation because you have too many people now. Like, you can't control the amount of people in each state. And that argument doesn't hold water. We take care of that argument uh, based upon uh, House representatives and congressmen. That's how you have a bigger population. You get more congressmen, more congressional seats. So that's what I think the best way to do is just give that land back to Virginia, Maryland, and you're done with it. Call it a day. But it's obvious the reason why I do it is because they want to get two more senators. The re- it's transparent. They think they get two Democratic senators in perpetuity out of the deal. And, but that goes to the heart of all of the power grabs. That, 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 that's why they want to pack the courts. Things they can't get done legislatively, they hope judicial activists will do it for them. 
you know, get rid of the legislative filibuster, then we can ram everything through and it will be one party rule in America. Uh, the same with Puerto Rico statehood. The reason they want HRSR1, and the real reason is they don't want any voter ID whatsoever. They want no signature verification. They want massive mail-in voting. How, how can you ever, you'll never have integrity or confidence in election results again, because they want the ability to run it their way. And we know what their way is. It's pretty transparent. The, you know, they want to offer illegal immigrants, and I'm for legal immigration. I don't care where you come from. I'm for legal immigration, and but I do believe you need to have a background check. I think you need a health check in the day and age of COVID. I think you need to respect our laws, our sovereignty, our borders. Um, I think you need to be able to show that you'll be financially able to take care of yourself while you're here. And once you go through the process and we welcome you into our country, well, welcome to our family. We're glad you're here. If you want to work towards citizenship, we should have... You know, I, I believe in merit-based citizenship myself, uh, kind of like what Australia, New Zealand, and other countries like that have. Uh, but they don't want any of that. You offer somebody something for free of great value, and 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 you know, what the hope is is that oh, you'll you'll give us credit in perpetuity for that. It's all a power grab. Republicans have often wanted illegal immigration because they want cheap labor, and Republicans would appease corporations that want a cheap labor. And Democrats thought that there'd be a natural constituency for, you know, people, if they offer amnesty, okay, something of great value. Um, it's not, it's, I, I, I just want, if we opened our borders, the entire world would come. We just can't afford it. Every person that Joe is letting into this country illegally and facilitating law-breaking right now, well, they're not doing background checks. They're not doing health checks. And now we're in the position as taxpayers at a time when we can't afford it to have to provide housing and an education and health care and all the costs associated with people that just don't have the money to live right now. And there's not a lot of jobs available. So, you know, we could see what the Democrats are doing. I, I just I just happen to believe if you don't like the laws as they're currently configured, well, there's a process. Write a law, pass a law. Have a president sign the law, change the law, build consensus among the people in your district and in the country to go along with what law you prefer. But they'd rather not do it that way. And you can see it 100 percent. I mean, you're you're all over. I love your show. You know, um, it's obvious. And everything you're saying, I'm agreeing with. And and with that state thing, you know, like I say, revert it back. I think what a lot of people have to do, though, is do something you brought up the other night is you have to call in and make your voice heard at other stations. I mean, when I call into you, uh, you know, we're preaching to the choir. I call the liberal radio show. You'd be surprised how many Chicago. liberals are paid to listen to me in the hopes that they can get me canceled. But go ahead. Oh, no, I called in and I said, there's no way I'm from the south side of Chicago. First time I voted, the precinct captain came in and voted for me when I was 18. Pulled a lever oh. and everything in the old days. Uh, voted the straight Democratic ticket. I, I called in. I said, there's no way Joe Biden's going to make four years. I truly believe it was some backdoor deal he cut. And in a couple of years, he'll back down and give Kamala Harris the, the nod. And he'll say it was uh, health reasons or whatever. And I bet $500 worth of Rick Hunger. I wonder if he'll even remember that when it happens. But uh, on the year, it was a $500 bet. But I, I called in the other night and I made my uh, argument about, you know, just give the state back to Virginia or, or Maryland. And I, I got the, the guy who was working in his place to kind of agree with me. Uh, and his whole thing is, well, you might dilute the power of the senator. And I said, no, you won't. You, you can't you can't limit how many people can live in a state. People are going to come and go all the time. It's a dynamic. 
You know, so I think if we call in, get our voice heard, and uh, not preaching to the choir, but call into the liberal shows and, and, and spread this word other places, get involved in your local schools. They, they don't want conservative that. voices heard. you got to understand, conservatives now are canceled on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. They, the, the, this whole deep platforming cancel culture is real. Now, what does need to happen is, and I used to use this phrase many years ago, we've got to become the media. And that's when it was just the big three networks. Now you've got, you know, look, look at what Project Veritas did last week in exposing fake news CNN as a radical socialist agenda-driven propaganda channel. That's what they are. It's the same with MSDNC. It's the same with the three networks. It's the same with major newspapers. It's the same with big tech. And and as as big as you have made this show, meaning you in this audience, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of people that they reach now. Their power is enormous. That power must now be matched. And there's got to be an ability and new platforms that transcend where conservatives now, where we're not wanted, will have options to go to, to turn to. And it's not as simple as you think either, especially look at big tech, for example. You know, we're all for freedom of speech. I wouldn't want to be a part of, though, a a forum that allows, you know, overt, clear, obvious, transparent racism and bigot and, and, and bigotry of any kind or anti-Semitism. I wouldn't want to be a part of that platform. OK, so now you put some very base moderate standards and you have moderators that that can take certain things down but it's a very very slippery slope where do you draw the line and i it's just it becomes challenging for people that want to do it and do it right the technology also is complicated especially if you can't download the application the app needed to build out a new forum i mean the deck is definitely stacked against us we saw that though major institutions institutional forces against conservatives are alive and well the democratic party the mob and the media big tech those are three of them uh anyway good call appreciate it 800-941 sean our number missouri jim is next hi jim how are you glad you called sir hello hey jim what's going on hey sean how are you i'm good sir glad you called well i'll tell you what i really appreciate that you taking a call and um you and Mark Levin, all of you guys are standing up, and I know what you have against you because law enforcement has the same thing to a large degree against them, too. And we are in a very sad state of affairs with our law enforcement and really with our country in terms of what the left and the fascists are doing to pit one another against uh, you know each other and, and particularly against law enforcement. You know, Sean, law enforcement on a day-to-day basis has thousands upon thousands of positive contacts with the citizens in this country, but you don't see that on mainstream media. They love to cherry pick what they perceive may be or may not be uh, a, a negative incident, and they pounce on it, particularly when it involves a person of color. And, you know, one of the sad things is, is that nobody will talk about the elephant in the room. And do you know what that elephant is, Sean? You tell me. The elephant in the room is the fact that people, particularly some of these young people, they just don't obey the law. The fact that what is a young person with a gun doing out at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning? 
Where are their parents? Where's the father? That, that to me is one of the saddest things that happened in the Toledo case. This young man is 13 years old. Uh, I view children, uh, I really do believe every man, woman, and child is a creature of God. The difference with the human experience is we have a propensity for good and a propensity of evil. But especially young people, they need to be protected by their parents. I don't know about you. When I was raising my kids when they were younger, I was a complete, I plead guilty. I was a helicopter parent. I knew where they were every second, every minute, every hour of every day. And when they got cell phones, I, I jacked their phones and I knew exactly where they were. And if they moved, I knew exactly where they were going. Um, and maybe that sounds, by the way, they weren't their phones. They were my phones. I gave them phones. I owned the phones. So it was my phone that they were using. Uh, just for those people that would say, you're spying on your children. No, it's, you, can, you can keep track of where they are. It's great technology, actually. And, uh, you know, it's sad when I hear that a kid is 13 years old hanging out with a 21-year-old that's already been found guilty of a gun offense, charged with a gun offense, rather, and has gun residue on his fingers. It breaks my heart. I mean, the, all the talent that this kid was born with will never know what talent that kid had, what potential that child had, and he's gone, and it happens every day, and I've been scrolling the names of kids like Adam Toledo for years on my program saying, why don't we know their names? Because what, we can't, it doesn't become politically charged? It's sad, um, and it's, you know, we can, we can make it that every city is safe and secure. Learn the lessons of Rudy Giuliani. You may not agree with him politically. Learn what he did to save lives in New York, because it worked. But that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, for the rest of the week, obviously, we'll be on verdict watch as it relates to the Chauvin trial and the George Floyd case. Uh, we're following the incendiary rhetoric of the left. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, set your DVR on Fox. Donald J. Trump for the full hour. President Trump from Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and, yep, we'll talk about everything. No holds barred. Everything's on the table. All right? Please join us. Please set your DVR. We'll see you tonight at 9. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for making the show possible. And we'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow.